Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Good morning, folks. And as Mike says, the sun is still shining out there, so let's enjoy the summer while we have it. Good to be with each of you. Uh, take a minute and stretch. That always helps the body to loosen up and uh, remind you to lift your hands to the Lord. And we want to do something important before we jump in, and that's pray that the Holy Spirit would be our guide and our teacher, and that he would speak to us as a group, but also individually. So let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity uh, to start our day right, which is to start our day with you and to put it into your care, into your keeping. And we thank you, Lord, just for the privilege of opening up your word, uh, Lord, to be able to feed our souls, to give us strength, uh, to give us inspiration and encouragement. So, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would uh, allow this word to come alive to each of our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would apply the word individually to each one, that the parts that we need to hear specifically for us, that you would make it very clear to us, uh, this is what I want you to hear and to put into action. So, Father, we thank you. We come with an expectant heart to meet you, and it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's roll. Uh, <clears throat> Judges 17. Now there was a man of the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, the 1100 pieces of silver, which were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse in my hearing, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, blessed be my son by the Lord. He then returned the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother, and his mother said, I wholly dedicate the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son, to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will return them to you. So when he returned the, money, the silver to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver, and he gave them uh, to the silversmith, who made them into a graven image and a molten image. And they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephah and household idols, and consecrated one of his sons that he might become his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Now there was a young man from Bethlehem and Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he was staying there. Then the man departed from the city, from Bethlehem and Judah, to stay wherever he might find a place. And then he made his journey. He came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah. And Micah said to him, where do you come from? And he said to him, I'm a Levite from Bethlehem and Judah, and I'm going to stay wherever I may find a place. 
Micah then said to him, Dwell with me, be a father and a priest to me, and I'll give you 10 pieces of silver a year, a suit of clothes, and your maintenance. So the Levite went in, and the Levite agreed to live with the man. And the young man became to him like one of his sons. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in the house of Micah. The Micah said, now I know that the Lord will prosper me, seeing I have a Levite as priest. Amen. 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 Okay. <clears throat> well, as I'm reading Judges 17, what came to my mind was uh, the sermon series that Pastor Brennan was doing recently uh, called basically uh, Messed Up Lives, Messed Up Church Life. And when I look at Judges 17, it is a mess. Uh, Micah and his mother are a mess. The Levite that acts as a priest to Micah and his family is a mess. And by the way, Israel as a whole is a mess. So lives could get messy back then and they can get messy today. So let's try to take this apart. And look at the uh, the three factors. Uh, first, the mess of Micah and his mother. Secondly, the mess of the Levite priest. And third, uh, the mess of Israel as a whole. So look at 17. <clears throat> One. Now there was a man of the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. He said to his mother, the 1,100 pieces of silver which were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse in my hearing, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, blessed be my son by the Lord. So it looks like Micah ripped off his mom, uh, 1,100 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money. So he stole the money from his mom. Meanwhile, he hears that his mom's putting a curse on anybody that took that money. So I can <clears throat> get into the young man's mind like, uh-oh, this money I have here is cursed. Mom is ticked off, and it's not a good thing for me to keep the money. So he repents, brings the money back to his mother, and her response is, blessed be my son. In other words, <clears throat> okay, God, you got my money back. You convicted my son of his sin. That's good. So, verse three, then he returned the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. So, what's his mom do? It seems like the mom, in a sense, is trying to reverse the curse because she put the curse on the money and, in a sense, a curse upon her, her son. So, in a sense, she's trying to reverse it now by, okay, well, let's use some of this money now to worship God. And maybe that'll cancel out things. And we're good to go going forward. So basically, uh, he gets the money. Uh, and as it says in verse three, halfway through, uh, the mother said, I wholly dedicate the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will return them to you. So the mother gives the money back to the son. Uh, and specifically, verse four, 
When he returned the silver to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver, gave them to the silversmith, who made them into a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. So what happens is with this money, there's two images made. First, it says there's a graven image. A graven image is wood that is overlaid with metal. Uh, in this case, it would be overlaid with silver. And a molten image is a solid piece of silver. So these images are made. And <clears throat> this is not a good picture at all. Not a good picture at all, because what they're doing here is breaking the laws of God. And you don't break the laws of God without a negative consequence. Let me give you some verses here in regards to these images that were made. <clears throat> if you look at Exodus 20, I'm going to just read some of these verses for you. You can jot them down if you'd like. Exodus 20, verse 3, <clears throat> Lord speaking. Uh, and he says this to Israel, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I'm jealous. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. Uh, the Lord repeats this in Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 1. The Lord says this again. In other words, when the Lord repeats something, he's saying, like, this is really important. Don't blow me off. Listen to what I'm saying and make sure you do it. Leviticus 26.1. The Lord says this, you shall not make for yourselves idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar. Nor shall you place a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. And just one more in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 15, it says this. So watch yourselves carefully. So the Lord's saying to Israel, listen carefully, watch out. Watch out. I'm warning you. I don't want you to mess your lives up. I don't want you to get hurt. So watch yourselves carefully, since you did not see any form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, <clears throat> excuse me, from the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly, okay, in other words, doing something wrong, lest you act corruptly and make a graven image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal, that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water below the earth. Beware, lest you lift up your eyes to heaven. And he goes on a little bit further about that. So what God is clearly saying is do not worship idols. Do not do it. And the Lord said very clearly, he says, I'm a jealous God. I don't share worship with anybody else. I'm the creator. I'm the sustainer of your life. I'm your savior. I am asking you for soul worship of me. 
do not go after any gods. And right here, <clears throat> you can see Micah is deliberately disobeying the commands of the Lord. Now, we could say that, you know, that's really weird. Why would anybody worship a, a stone or, or metal or wood? Uh, you know, how could they worship those kind of gods? And yet, in our society, we're more sophisticated. I don't see anybody that I know is bowing down before a piece of wood or bowing down between some kind of a metal object. But an idol is anything that comes before God. Let me say it again. An idol doesn't have to be a piece of wood. It doesn't have to be metal. An idol is anything that is more important to us than God himself. So what could be an idol for us? Well, making money. A big house could be an idol if that's the driving force in your life. It could be a title. I want to be a president of a company. If that's what's number one in your mind, if that's what drives you, that's your idol. In a sense, that is the God that you bow down to. We could have the idol of amusements. I just want to party, eat, drink, and be merry. That's that's the pursuit. That's what I that's my driving force. That can become a God. It can become an idol. <clears throat> a person, a friend, a husband, a wife, a child can become an idol if they have significance over God himself. So we have to be very careful. We can look back at these people and say, boy, that's really dumb. They worship idols. But we're just more sophisticated. We can worship idols too. And we need to be aware and ask ourselves, I think that's probably a question that we need to ask is, what's number one in my life? What's the most important thing? And I think you can find that out pretty quickly. What do you think about more than anything? Where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your time? That'll tell you what is your God. And unfortunately, sometimes it's not the Lord. It can be many other things. So Micah is kind of pretty messed up here. Uh, he's worshiping idols he's not supposed to, and he's going to reap consequences negatively. So <clears throat> that's one thing. Uh, but then there's another thing that's messed up uh, with Micah. Look at verse 5. And the man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod and household idols and consecrated one of his sons that he might become his priest. So Micah builds a shrine. What's a shrine? It's a place of worship in his home. And uh, he has household idols. Okay, they had just made these idols, the molten idol, the graven idol. So he's worshiping uh, these things that had been made. And not only that, uh, he makes an ephod. That is like a, an apron that the priest would wear. It's a priestly garment. And he just arbitrarily says, well, one of my kids is going to become a priest. Well, that, that's totally messed up. A priest has to come from the, the tribe of Levi, and the priest has to be walking in a, in a holy fashion, and he just waves a wand over his son, okay, hey, you're going to be my priest. That totally, totally 
unbiblical. So, Micah is messed up. Not only is Micah messed up, uh, so is his mom uh, at this point, and so is his son that buys into this stuff. <clears throat> but then uh, there's another messed up situation in person, and that's this next gentleman. If you look at verse 7. Now, there was a young man from Bethlehem and Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite. He was staying there. And the man departed from the city from Bethlehem and Judah to stay wherever he might find a place. He made his journey. He came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah. Micah said to him, where do you come from? He said to him, I'm a Levite from Bethlehem and Judah, and I'm going to stay wherever I might find a place. So he's a roaming Levite. Uh, and he's trying to basically find a place to live, okay, and do his thing as a priest. Um, and then Micah says to him, verse 10, uh, Michael said, dwell with me, be a father and a priest to me. I'll give you 10 pieces of silver a year, a suit of clothes, and your maintenance. So here, this Levite comes to live with Micah. But in a, in a very distorted kind of way, because Micah still has these household idols, uh, and this Levite who's supposed to be serving God, the living God, Jehovah, ends up kind of right in the, the whole kind of situation that Micah and his mom had with these idols and these shrines that are not biblical. So he's messed up. He's perverting his call as a Levite just to arbitrarily come live with this guy and act as a priest in this kind of mixed up multi-God setting. So Micah is messed up biblically. His mother is messed up. This Levite's messed up. And Israel as a whole is messed up. If you carefully study the book of Judges, I'm going to have you kind of turn and look at some pages with me. You're going to see a cycle that repeats itself over and over and over and over in the book of Judges. And I'd like you to look at the cycle. So turn with me, because I think you can kind of whip through these real quick with me. Let me give you a cycle here. If you look at Judges chapter 3 and verse 7. Judges 3 and verse 7. Judges 3, 7. And the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, their God. They forgot the Lord, their God, and served the Baals and Asherahs. Here's the cycle. Israel goes bad. Okay? They disobey God, do their own thing. Okay? The next part of the cycle, verse 8. The, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, so that he sold them into the hands of Cushan, whatever his name is, king of Mesopotamia. Uh, so basically, God gets upset. Okay, Israel, you sin, I'm upset, I'm angry, and I have to bring judgment. But then the third uh, part of the cycle comes in, is Israel says, uh-oh, we messed up, verse 9. And when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, because it was getting tough, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the sons of Israel to deliver them, Othiel. So basically, Israel sins, God judges. They say, oh, wow, we've, we've messed up. And God says, okay, you've repented. I'm going to send a deliverer. That's cycle number one. Let me give you another cycle. Look at 
uh, chapter 3 and verse 12. Same thing. The sons of Israel, again, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Edgog, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. So Israel, again, does bad. God judges them. Uh, look at verse 15. So God judges them. Life's tough. 15. But when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ethan. Same cycle. Israel's bad. God judges. They repent. God sends a deliverer. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ethan died. Verse 3, and the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, for he had 900 iron chariots, and he oppressed the sons of Israel severely. So basically, Israel does wrong. God allows the foreigner to overcome them. They cry. And then verse 4, now Deborah, a prophetess, is raised up to judge. Again, the same cycle again. Let me give you two more. Look at 6 1. 6 1. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay, same deal. And the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. And the power of Midian prevailed against Israel. So, again, life is not going well at all for them. Verse 6 What do they do? So Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Again, same thing. And then God raises up uh, a deliverer, Gideon. Verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, the Lord's with you, O valiant warrior. Just one more. Uh, look at Judges 10. Judges 10 and verse 6. Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Asherah, the gods of Aaron, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the sons of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines. Thus they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. I mean, they really went bad. I mean, there's all kind of foreign gods. Unbelievably bad. Seven, and the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. And he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the sons of Ammon. And again, look at verse 10. Then the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against thee, for indeed we have forsaken our God, and we serve the Baals. And then if you look further, God raises up a judge again, Jephthah. So there you go. There's the cycle. That's Israel's lifestyle. They blow God off and sin. God said, I'm going to judge your sin. They cry out, oh, God, we've messed up. God sends a deliverer, and it goes over and over and over. The sad thing to me is that Israel doesn't learn their lesson. They keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again. And there's a danger, brothers and sisters, for you and I. God disciplines us. God judges us because of certain sins. And it should be a wake-up call that we repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. 
and we learn the lesson and get in alignment with God. But unfortunately, sometimes instead of learning the lesson and making the adjustment, we end up doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. That's not good. We're just messing our lives up just the way the judges in that book, just the way things go down south, it can happen in our life as well. So if the Lord shows you a sin, if the Lord shows me a sin, I need to be aware of it. I need not only to confess the sin and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I own up. I did this wrong, whatever it is. Not only do I need to confess that sin, I need to repent of it. It means I'm saying, Lord, I really don't want to do this again. I'm, I'm sincere, Lord. I, I'm not playing games. I want to be done with it. Help me not to repeat this sin. And that's what Israel did not do. And it's not a good picture. Things kind of get messed up. So basically, the Israelites, <clears throat> they sought God basically when the hard times came, when the judgment came. But when the judgment left, they, they had a tendency to go and wander away and do their own thing all over again. And I have to ask the question, does that sound like anybody you know or that I know? In other words, when the hard times come, that person takes God out of the basement of their lives and says, hey, God, help me. Or another way of saying it, sometimes people just kind of put God in the trunk of their car, you might say, and they're driving along. As long as life is fine, man, that's fine. But boy, when the hard times come, I'm going to get God out of that trunk and oh, God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. <clears throat> but once I'm helped, I forget God. I can give you an illustration from one of my churches. There was a fellow that basically did not come to church <clears throat> at all, but he showed up one week and it was the week before he was going to have open heart surgery. Okay, God, I'm in a mess. Help me. And he came, uh, but he got over the open heart surgery. Never saw him again. So the, the danger I think we have to watch out for, am I just using God? Am I just using him? God, I want this. God, do this. God, help me with this. And it's all about me, 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 me. It's not about what I can do to serve the Lord, which is what the Bible says, but it's what's he going to do for me? What's in it for me? <clears throat> so it's it's not a good thing uh, that that would be our lifestyle. That's not a good thing. It's messed up, as Pastor Brennan would say in his sermon. Uh, we don't use God for our purposes we're to allow ourselves to be used by God for his purposes. Two ways of looking at faith. So there's another thing that's messed up at Israel. Not only do they not learn from their mistakes and keep sinning over and over again, this statement, and we've all heard it before, but I mean, it's, it's blatantly in your face. Uh, it says here in 17.6, in those days... There was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's heavy duty. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Well, I think in a sense, our society has bought into that 
pretty well. Uh, let me give you a, a lot of illustrations. When I, when I hear that, like people just want to do what they want to do. Right now, I think many, many people, and it's very subtle in our society, but it's not so subtle, and it's getting blatant in a sense, is that there's just many ways to have it. There, you know, there's many ways. You know, just be a good person. Doesn't matter whether you're a Muslim or a Hindu, or a Jew, or worship crystals. Doesn't matter. There's many ways to heaven. And the Bible is extremely clear. Jesus said, I am, in John 14, 6, I am the way, not one of the ways. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. <clears throat> so basically, um, every man did their own thing. Any woman, just, you know, doesn't matter which way. It just, I'll just, as long as I worship something, it's okay. But it doesn't have to be through Jesus or through his blood or through his cross. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I think of the sexuality in our world, in our culture, in the United States. It's okay to have premarital sex. I mean, that's almost a given now, almost a given in our society. But that's fine. It doesn't matter. You can play around before marriage. No big deal. The idea of living together. I mean, it's getting to be almost commonplace. And I, even I was finding this 10 years ago when I was retiring from the Methodist church, uh, people in the, in the neighborhood wanted to get married. And you could find again and again and again, everybody's living together. That's wrong. That's not right. But people do what's right in their eyes. They don't even think it's wrong. Yeah, that's okay. We need to do it. Extramarital affairs. Hey, no big deal. Uh, I'm entitled to pleasure. Uh, everyone does right in their own eyes. The whole idea we've been battling with homosexuality. I believe biblically, we need to love all people. We need to love homosexuals, be compassionate. But from what I can see biblically, the lifestyle is not what God says is appropriate and what's right. The whole idea with the idea of, of sexual changes um, I don't see anything biblically that even comes close to that. This is very dangerous, I feel. Even now in our school systems, what our kids are being taught at a young age, what's appropriate. It's okay. The gender, not a big deal. Uh, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's scary. And to me, it says we're on a downward slope as a society. And we had better, as a nation, get on our knees. And we better pray. And we better repent or we will be judged. And in fact, I think we're reaping right now through the shootings, through the overdoses, through the suicides, we are literally reaping in our nation, our disobedience. And we need to be praying on our knees for revival before we're too late and miss the boat altogether. There's also every man, every woman does right in their own eyes. It's okay to be greedy, to step over other people. It doesn't matter. I just want to get what I want to get doesn't matter. <clears throat> it's okay to be lazy. You know, why, why should I work? Somebody ought to take care of me. We're a privileged generation. It's all about me. I am entitled to whatever, fill in the blank. It's okay. Everyone does in their own eyes. It's okay to curse. It's okay to use vulgar language. It's okay to use God's name as a curse. 
Uh, you know, I have a right to do what I want to do. No big deal. It's okay for kids to be disobedient to parents. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. The one that's really got me bugged recently, <clears throat> you know, it's okay um, to cheat and steal as long as I'm not caught. I could not believe a story I heard the other day of a grandparent talking about their child that's working into dick sporting goods. And in that story, you know, they have all the athletic stuff and they had, I, I believe, <clears throat> I forget exactly the clothing, but I think it was bikers clothing. And, you know, you have to wear certain, certain things to, to bike long distances. A woman literally came into the store, went to the rack, grabbed about eight of these different suits that were used and then trotted out of the store almost brazenly, and nobody stopped her. And from what I'm hearing, this is happening in more and more stores, that because of <clears throat> a fear of violence or fear of um, suits or who knows what it is, you go in stores, just get what you want and walk out. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. The brazenness. The brazenness of somebody to just mock the store out and say, I'm just walking out. Look at me. You can't do a thing to me. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Not a good picture. And I think it's not just the United States that has issues. I think it's around the world. And we had better wake up. Proverbs 14, 12, it says this. There's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. But there's a way that is going to end in death. And the role of Christians is to wave a red flag and say to society, hey, guess what, folks? Not every way is correct. And not every lifestyle is appropriate and proper. So how do you know what's right or wrong? In a society where everything goes, folks, here's the way we find out it's right here in the book. God gave us the Bible so that we clearly know ethically what is right, what's wrong, what he approves of, what he disapproves of, of what he asks us to do, and what he tells us not to do. There was a man that came to a pastor, was getting counseling having an extramarital affair and said to the pastor, well, I'm going to leave my wife because I don't love her, but I feel like I think God's leading me uh, to get to this new lady because, you know, I just feel so much more love for her than my wife. Now, if that person knew the Bible very clearly, they'd know that they are being deceived and duped by the devil by that kind of a mindset. So it's extremely important. And the Bible says, as we get toward the end of time, there are going to be deluding spirits that are going to deceive the church so that the church can basically think that the wrong is right and the right is wrong. It's just, it's just, it, it gets all jumbled up. There has to be a standard. And it's not my own concoction in my brain, it's the word of God. So I think for us, in these times, we need to be very clear about what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And that's what the Bible's there. That's why we need to read it. 
And I commend each of you folks, anybody that's getting up at 6 a.m., I think you're not playing games. I think you want to grow in the Lord. Thank the Lord for you, that you want to understand his word and you want to put it into action. So we need to read the word of God carefully. We need to study it. We need to meditate on it. We need to memorize it. And then last but not least, we need to obey it and put it into action. If we do that, we're not going to end up doing crazy stuff like Micah. We're not going to do crazy stuff like the Levi priests that bought into Micah's folly. Uh, but we'll be walking a straight line and we'll experience God's blessing. So, folks, revival starts with us personally. I'm reading a book on revival and it is shaking me up, but good. We cannot dilly dally with sin. I think we have to make a full commitment to Christ, not a half a commitment. And revival is going to start with us individually. When we sell out and say, Lord, you got every part of me, and I'm going to seek to put your word into action. And I think we need to be praying for our church and for the churches in the area that we would be a holy church, a unified church, a praying church. I think we need to be praying for our nation. Please, on a daily basis, pray for the nation, for the president, for the leadership. Uh, it's so important. We are in a major problem in America. And the way it's going to turn around is by Christians living the lifestyle and by praying and interceding and say, God, you've got to come in and get us back where we need to be. So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for Judges 17 where it just portrays the, the foolishness, the craziness of Israel, just sinning over and over again, reaping the consequences. And Father, I just pray for each of us individually, Lord, <clears throat> that we wouldn't dilly-dally with sin in our lives. And when you, <clears throat> excuse me, show us that something's wrong, uh, Lord, that we'd own up to it, that we'd turn from it and seek not to do it again. So Lord, help us to walk with you every step of the way. Put in our hearts, Lord, a heart of intercession, uh, Lord, for our families, uh, Lord, for our church, for the, the area churches, for this nation, for the world. Uh, put on us a, a desire for revival uh, where we can come back into the power of your presence. So, Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Thank you. It is a light to our path. And we thank you, Lord, uh, that through your word, you're going to guide us and lead us individually and corporately as a whole. And it's in your name we ask it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Folks, you have a great day. Uh, may the Lord bless you. Uh, and may you be a bright light in a society that really needs it. Amen.